This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Larry Roberts. Larry is a speaker, facilitator, and host of the One Big Win Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Roman. I appreciate it, man. This is great. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Man, it's been quite the road, to be honest with you. Um, as far as podcasting goes, I started about five years ago, and I was fairly recently sober. I'd been sober for a year and a half, two years or so before I started listening to podcasts, and a friend of mine just kept hammering me to listen to Joe Rogan, of course, and I was very, very resistant. I'm like, I'm not listening to podcasts. Oh, nerds listen to podcasts. I don't want to be a nerd, you know, whatever. I was just giving him a hard time, and uh, he kept at it, though, and eventually I listened to Joe Rogan. And it wasn't so much what Joe Rogan did that impressed me or really resonated with me. It was the topics that they were covering, the words they were using, the jokes they were telling. They were telling and talking in such an open, uh, just there was no filter, essentially is what it amounts to. And I'm kind of a guy that's been known his whole life for not operating without much of a filter, right? So uh, that was a double negative. I said not operating without a filter, but not operating with a filter. So this really, really got me excited. And I thought, you know what I got to do? I got to start one of these podcast things. I got to figure out what this is all about. So of course, I hop on the interwebs and I buy some 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 videos. Uh, Cliff, Ra <clears throat> excuse me, Cliff Ravenscraft was one of the first ones that uh, I watched, of course, Pat Flynn. He has a tremendous series. Uh, here I am selling those guys. I got a pretty decent series myself now. But uh, uh, back then, it was just piece parting it all together. And eventually, I came up with what was my first podcast. Now, you know, I wasn't satisfied with just having an open forum podcast. I had to have kind of a, a risque or innuendo of a name as well. We're not going to name it. But uh, it was kind of silly and it was fun, but it was also very, very innuendo driven. Uh, and that whole podcast was, was a comedy podcast because I'd always had a fascination with stand-up comedy and I wanted to be a comedian and I never had the nerve to get on stage. You know, it's easy to sit and tell jokes when you're, you're at the office or you're amongst friends and you're, you're bagging on somebody or whatever it may be, but to actually get on stage with a microphone in hand and your objective is to make this audience whom you don't know laugh, that's a scary proposition. Now, I do have to say that I eventually stepped up and I did some stand-up comedy, so I had fun with that, but it was after the first podcast. You know, I started kind of getting, getting used to speaking to however many people. I didn't know how many people I was reaching with that podcast, but I knew it was going out to the interweb, so I had to have at least, I don't know, five or 10 people listening, right? So my confidence grew every day. And uh, after a while, my, my co-host, for when I also had a co-host on that first show, he actually wanted to pursue stand-up comedy as a career. 
And honestly, right now, right this, uh, just last night, he opened for Eddie Griffin. He's on tour with Eddie Griffin across the United States now as, as his opening act. So uh, needless to say, Jamie Gravy is crushing it. So if you get a chance to hear his comedy, check it out. But that left me looking for some way to supplement the loss of my co-host. And I brought in another co-host. We had a good time. I appreciate JJ and all of his help. But eventually, the, the show kind of ran its course because, well, there's only so many dirty jokes you can tell, you know? And um, once you've eaten dog food out of a can or uh, had some of the Satan's blood here for, uh, for a, a prank that's really, 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 really stupid hot sauce, I mean, just ridiculously hot, once you go through all those, you know, gimmick shows, kind of time to move on. So uh, we put a wrap on that show. And I started thinking about ways that I could continue to podcast, but have more of an impact. And I thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to uh, speak to those that may need help with their own journey through and uh, out of addiction. So it started off kind of being more of an addiction self-help type podcast called Readily Random. And I probably had, I'll, I'll say around 20 episodes, maybe less than that. When it really started weighing on me, and I was like, you know what, I may still be too fresh myself from my own alcoholic journey to be telling these stories over and over and over again, because it wasn't long before I found myself kind of kicking rocks a little bit, being depressed and not enjoying the show and not enjoying what I was doing. So I started reaching out and being a little more random and brought on a variety of guests. And that turned it into a very, very fun journey. Uh, and eventually it evolved into an entrepreneur type podcast. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, podcasting has come a long way. I think there's like these surges every year, every few years. I think there's been a big surge, surge during the pandemic when people actually like thought about podcasting and then finally, okay, I have the time because I'm locked in. Let me Let me learn about it or do it. Um, and it's one of those things where you have to do it for the right reason. Obviously, you started and then pivoted because kind of your interest changed or you wanted to niche it down. And I think a lot of people start something and then think it's, you know, not the right niche or it's too broad and then just don't rebrand and just quit after the, you know, stereotypical, I think it's uh, survey wise, it's like 10 episodes, most podcasts don't survive past or something of that nature. So I, I think it's important to do that if you really want to podcast and figure out like what, what your why is to do it. Not because, you know, everybody's telling you to do it or it's an extension of your brand and it's going to give you visibility. And that's the only reason like a, you know, take, take, take mentality. Like what are you offering kind of the world in terms of additional content that adds value? Because like you said, there's a lot of podcasts out there and a lot of them cover the same things, either niche-wise or broadly. So it's one of those things like what is the right reason that you want to do it or what what values do you want to instill in that show? And I think even seeing on you know Facebook groups or in general questions, people just think it's a get rich quick. They saw Joe Rogan got his deal, got the bag, and they're like, let me do this too. And it's like if you're not doing for the if you're not doing it for the passion of it, I mean growth if you're not already a personality or you know a, an athlete or an actor that you can just piggyback that audience and feed them into the show it's hard to grow an audience and keep that audience coming back so 
I think it's really important to know your why and then doing it for the right reasons, not chasing money. I mean, eventually it may become profitable or you can monetize it. But I mean, I see that all the time where people are just dropping thousands of dollars and creating this, you know, studio and I'm ready to go. And then like, uh, you know, a month in, let me not, I don't want to do it or I don't have the time. We're not even realizing what the process actually is. Like, you know, a half hour episode with, with all said and done could be five, six hours of editing it, promoting it, the show notes, the transcripts. You know, if you have a website, putting a blog post for it, linking back to it and just like, it is a big undertaking. It's very gratifying. And I, I love getting positive feedback or, you know, where the audio was episode one versus where it is now. And it's like a good listening experience and adds value. And that kind of keeps me going. But if you're going to do it for kind of the wrong reason and kind of chasing, I don't think you're going to last. Yeah, it's funny. You brought up a, a couple of valid points there, you know, with the with the pandemic having hit and the way we operate on a day to day basis changing dramatically, it really opened up avenues in the podcasting space for people to grow and evolve. And in a lot of that, the opportunity was to speak. Uh, there are a ton of virtual conferences that are going on almost every weekend. And the opportunity to speak at these conferences probably would not have been there if it wasn't for everyone being stuck at home. And I say that because these wouldn't be virtual events. These events would be live. So then you're going to have to travel. You're going to have to go to, you're going to have to be accepted. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that a lot of effort that it takes to get on stages, but opportunities opened up for, for wannabe speakers to take the opportunity to develop their craft over the last nine months. And that was something that I had the benefit of. And what it's funny, one of the, one of the talks that I like to give is the podcast profit pipe dream. And uh, I did that for the exact same reason that you brought that up because uh, I have also dabbled in voiceover. I've done a couple of jobs for voiceover and I went to school for voiceover and uh, worked in that space for, for a short time. It's a very difficult space to, to, to grow in. And then podcasting came along and took over. But regardless of that, I had several uh, voiceover artists reach out to me in a DM and go, Larry, could, if I start a podcast, could I make some quick cash, you know, while the, the VO industry recovers? And, uh, you know, I started off just going with these long explanations of, no, you really can't do this or that. And eventually I just landed on, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you cannot. You're not Joe Rogan. You don't have a built-in audience. You're not going on Spotify. You're not going to monetize. You might get you a little sponsor, you know, a local sponsor or something that, that feeds you lunch for free or something if you mention their, their cafe. But that's about the extent of it, bro. You're not going to go and get rich right out of the gate with a podcast, even right out of the gate. That's not even a fair statement. The odds are you're not going to go out and get rich off of a podcast. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I haven't necessarily monetized to full extent that I can monetize. I mean, I have uh, ads on which people don't understand kind of like the ad format, which is customary for a lot of platforms other than audio is it's based on CPM. So, you know, cost per thousand. So, I mean, the average CPM I usually get is around 20 bucks. So you need uh, a thousand listens to earn 20 bucks. And if, you know, you have a couple hundred or you're starting off, that's really nothing. I mean, if I'm getting a few hundred bucks a month. I'm feeding it back into the podcast in terms of equipment, different promotional things, press releases, opportunities to expand it. And it's one of those things where it's not, you're not going to pocket that really doesn't do. It has to be for me at least. It's a passion project and kind of a labor of love. 
And I know we spoke on your show. One reason that I switched to an interview format, it would help me with the grieving process of losing my grandfather. So it has that significance for me in terms of, you know, keep going and things I have to share that may help somebody else out in terms of having a guest where we can relate about something. And then in turn, you know, being a guest on other shows, I think is important too. If you have a podcast or if you're trying to promote something, because you can always cross pollinate already qualified audiences, because you mentioned like the niche thing, obviously, if you're in a specific niche and there's, let's say a few hundred podcasts that you want to target, that you have that expertise, you already have a qualified audience for your expertise or your product or your brand. So I think it's, it's a very targeted effort and it can, uh, you know, be very rewarding in terms of what you have to, you know, gain out of it, but you also have to offer things, you know what I mean? Offer value. So it's not like you go on a show and you start plugging away. It's literally give something and don't necessarily expect anything in return. And then in those situations, that's where the biggest returns end up coming. Well, and that's what I've seen as well, especially in this industry, not just this industry, but an attitude of gratitude takes you a long ways. Doing things out of gratitude, not doing things, as you said, with the intent of, okay, now uh, I got an owe me over here so I can reach out and go, hey, man, you owe me for this. Pay me back, would you, by doing this or that. That kind of stuff never works. One of the greatest things about podcasting for me personally is the relationship building. I like to create long-lasting relationships with everybody that comes on my show and other podcasters that I meet at some of the bigger conferences, even the smaller conferences. If I meet somebody there, it's, it's great. It's just an opportunity to grow as an individual, grow as a podcast, and actually give back to someone that may actually need your help. And anytime you have that opportunity, I, just, I think we're obligated to do it regardless of, of where it's at. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like me starting, I started not even with a microphone. I had a cell phone that I was recording audio on and then cleaning it up a little bit. The first episodes, you know, I didn't even edit them. I just threw them up and it's like, oh, wait, you have to edit. I was never, you know, into really audio engineering or editing. And then I kind of started learning free platforms and then I discovered different you know, uh, artificial intelligence software that basically uh, levels in terms of presets to a professional level where I still kind of go through it or I have someone go through it and then run it through this to basically get industry standard different settings. And then it sounds a whole lot. It's like night and day. So it's one of those things where like technology comes out, software comes out, you learn new techniques, you learn things from your guests, you learn things on other shows that you go on. And I think it's important to take constructive criticism before things like or optimization. I never thought about the title of the episode. So before I would just put, okay, this is the guest and this is their title. Well, if somebody doesn't know them personally, that doesn't mean anything from them. So really adding a topic or what the core message of that episode is within the title and then obviously about the guest and it increased listenership. And one of the guests I had on actually suggested that. So I didn't take offense to that. I thought about it. It's like, okay, this makes sense. And I incorporate it. So I think podcasting is a learning experience where you kind of grow as an industry together. Well, and, and again, it opens up so many other opportunities for you. There is a monetization route that you can take. You know, I'm a published author. I would have never written a book if it wasn't for starting a podcast. Uh, I have courses or a course over on Udemy. I would never have created a course if I didn't have a podcast. 
I've met all of these industry leaders that have guided me along the way because their outlook is the same as mine. They do things from a giving perspective. Now they might charge a little something too, but overall they're doing it because they want to help out, you know, but they got to make a living, right? I understand that. But there's just so many opportunities that stem from podcasting that many people don't even take into consideration. And I, I can't imagine where I would be today, what I would be doing today if it wasn't for podcasting. It gave me that purpose. It gave me that direction. It gave me that outlet. It gave me a foundation to build on, not just monetarily, but emotionally and mentally as an individual, uh, as a husband, uh, as a former addict. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, I wish podcasting got more credit than what it gets. Because, I mean, you see now, the, the, the thing in the podcasting industry now is to kind of make jokes about, uh, you know, and bag on the podcasting industry because, what, there's uh, 1.5 million podcasts out there right now. But the thing is, there's only about 350,000 of them that have been updated in the last 90 days. So if everyone has a podcast, which is probably close to being true, you know, out of 350 million Americans, you got a um, 1.5 million. That's not quite everybody, but, you know, it's not uncommon to know somebody that has a podcast. But the thing is, they don't, they don't live it. They don't, uh, they, they don't give it the attention that it deserves or the respect that it deserves. And as a whole, it kind of stings the industry a bit, but it doesn't, it doesn't hold me back at all, you know? Uh, it, but it is something that I take much more seriously than just a little side project. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations could have changed over time, which I think they do change with the variables you have in your life. But what currently motivates you to succeed? It's interesting because, you know, obviously in your 20s, you have one perspective of what's going to drive you to succeed. I mean, shoot, back in my 20s, all I wanted to do was teach karate and own a karate school. And uh, I ended up in that, in that space for a while and I had a karate school and it failed uh, because it's, it's not all kicks and punches out there, folks. I'll tell you that right now. But through my 20s, you know, I thought success was being, being able to puff my chest out and strut around and have flash cash and drive a fancy ride and this and that. And don't get me wrong, I still love my Jeep, okay? It's a pretty fly little vehicle, but it's not my, it's not my, my purpose. It's not my direction. Uh, success now is just the opportunity to, to share it's, uh, and, and the thing is I look at, you know, I, I, I do get caught up in the podcast math. I do tend to watch my downloads maybe a little too much. And my goal is to reach as many people as possible. And I want to reach those people because I know what I'm bringing with the one big win podcast contains value. Each and every episode is value, and that value is for the listener. I get the value out of it right away just by creating the podcast, just by having that moment to express myself or bring a guest on and have a conversation with them, and we mutually express ourselves on a given topic. All of that is phenomenal and very rewarding. Don't get me wrong. I love it when I sell a course. I love it when I sell my book. That's great, but it's not really the driving motivation. You know, I, I'm 48. Uh, I, my outlook now is to give and to enjoy, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, and this is, this is I'm going to get a little dark for a second, but it's when you get to be this age and it sounds like I'm saying when you get to be my age, but it's, it's not quite like that. It's just that you start seeing 
obituaries and you start seeing announcements of people younger than you that are, you know, going on to the next plane of existence, wherever that may be. And you go, wow, you know, I, I, I'm human. I'm human. I need to take advantage of every moment and live each and every moment to the fullest. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to have a mansion or I have to drive a, a I don't know, a Lamborghini or whatever it is, whatever those cool kids are driving these days. Uh, you don't need any of that. You just giving, creating relationships and having a, a nice, relaxing, comfortable home. I've got just your typical middle America home. I got a beautiful wife in there. She's, well, she's got some tooth problems right now. So she's a little beat up. She had some surgery. So she's, she's not quite as beautiful, but she's still beautiful in, inside. You know what I mean? She's still beautiful on the inside. So uh, I can't ask for anything more. Oh, I've got my dogs. I got two dogs. They're great. You know, that's where I get my enjoyment. That's where I get my pleasure. And Honestly, it's, it's because of podcasting. Once again, you know, I wouldn't have this outlet. I wouldn't have this, this source of freedom that, that podcasting provides. Uh, it's, it's just tremendous. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with the whole kind of mindset shift. Like in your 20s, you're kind of chasing, you know, money or, you know, career advancement or a corner office if, if you're in corporate America. And then, some people don't, but for me, when I, I think when I turned 30, it was a mindset shift to more of a heart-led entrepreneur and having a legacy or leaving a legacy and helping as many people as possible. And then when switching that mindset, when you're actually helping, you're looking to contribute and not looking for anything in return, that's when all the un unexpected things start happening. Well, those connections that were you know, built on being genuine start paying off not because you thought they would pay off because people, okay, this guy's a good person. He added value to me. He didn't ask for anything in return. Uh, you know, I thought about him in this business deal or I thought about him in a feature of, you know, a book or a magazine interview or whatever it happens to be. And further on down, you don't necessarily expect it to happen tomorrow. But when you're genuine like that and you do things for the right reasons, I feel like things end up happening uh, and lining up for you, you know, in the near future or, you know, further out. Well, and I think that's, you hit the nail on the head once again there by talking about being genuine and really showing your true self and expressing your true self within the industry. Uh, I don't have a character that I podcast in. The character is me. Uh, I do love Batman and all things bat related, as you can see behind me. Uh, I, I do love cartoons. Uh, I do love dogs. I do love my wife. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's, it's me. It's just me. That's all there is to it. And I have found so much more freedom in just being me. Because where else can you go these days? Where can you go to be yourself? If you work in corporate America, you can't really be yourself at the office. You got to put on your nice professional face and you got to be a, you know, a pro. You can't really be yourself at the grocery store because if somebody kind of cuts you off or gets in the way with the shopping cart, you might want to express yourself a little openly, but you can't do that because we live in a civil society or we're supposed to don't look at the news. Uh, but if you come home and you go into your studio or your closet or you build your pillow fort for soundproofing, whatever it may be that you do, you have the opportunity to be yourself. And it's a tremendous opportunity that more people really need to take advantage of. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know where else I can express myself this way. 
Yeah, I agree. And there's no gatekeepers. So you kind of drive your own success. I mean, you, if you can, you can put out a daily show. If you want to go once a week, twice a week, every other week, once a month, that's totally up to you when you're kind of in the driver's seat. Some things may be a good idea to you that you think are going to catch and, you know, grow and explode. And that doesn't necessarily happen that way. But, you know, you learn something from it, you make connections and kind of pivot if you're going to pivot or it may be it may not be right for you because you weren't doing it for the right reason to begin with but you know like like you said i think podcasting and the audio medium as a whole is superior because there are no gatekeepers it's not really censored so you can express who you are and it's really the true one true form in terms of communication that you can multitask with so with video with written word with imagery, I mean, you can't multitask. You have to switch your brain. I mean, you can't drive and read. I mean, you can, but I, I wouldn't advise it or watch something or text. I mean, your full attention has to be on the main task. With listening to something, you can listen to a podcast, obviously, in the car, in the shower, working out, and and still consume that information and process it. And I think it's far superior in that sense. See, and that's cool, too, because you can do just the opposite. You can flip that script, and you can actually create a podcast in all of those environments. All you're doing is recording your voice. You can record hands-free if you want to go the route that Roman went with uh, recording on a, on a cell phone right out of the gate or a portable audio recorder. There's a variety of different options to choose from there. Uh, one of the examples that I like to use when people come to me for, for uh, consulting with their podcast is, Larry, what can I do to really reach my audience? And a lot of it depends on what you're doing the podcast for. But I like to use a gardening example. Like I have a landscape guy. He does landscape maintenance and does a five to seven minute little show, but he does it in the yard. He does it in on, on a job site. So occasionally you may hear a lawnmower going in the background, you know, as one of his guys is mowing behind him while he's doing something else. Uh, you can, he talks about um, perennials. Is that what, is that a flower? Perennials, millennials, Millennials are people. Uh, I think they're perennials. We'll say flowers. So he just talks about things that are relevant to gardening in a gardening environment. So you get to submerge yourself in that world. And that type of creativity is so rare in other forms of mediums. Because as you say, there's no gatekeeper. There are no real rules to podcasting. There's, there's industry standards. And there's definitely data out there that shows this approach may be better than that approach. But there are no rules. There's no FCC. There's nobody that has, says, hey, submit your podcast to us and we'll approve or disapprove of the content. All of that is, is freedom on a level that we just can't express on. I can't think of any other medium because even if you go on YouTube, you've got a ton of restrictions on YouTube. You've got a ton of, of uh, ways to get your show demonetized or removed from your platform or certain videos blocked due to content. That doesn't happen with a podcast, at least not yet. Yeah, I agree. And that's like the whole argument with, uh, not argument, but dilemma of being independent versus, you know, possibly going on a network, which is kind of like the situation I'm in now, just pros and cons of being part of a network. Obviously, you have that name recognition, some additional kind of internal networking, you know, mastermind type stuff or whatever else the network has to offer. But it's, you know, sometimes you're driven by that. So like with the whole Spotify thing, obviously it's been in the news. So with Joe Rogan, they left out some of the more controversial 
episodes in his catalog when they uploaded it. And now there's been this uproar. He had some kind of, you know, author that people don't agree with. And now like the, the workers of Spotify are like revolting. Like, well, you knew who you were bringing on. One reason that the show is so popular is he has guests from like all over, you know, talking about controversial's point of view. It's not like he agrees with it. I think a lot of people think just because you have a guest, you may, you know, share the same mindset. And I've actually had to put a disclaimer in the show notes because I had had guests probably a year ago, and then there was this consumer watchdog group. Like this person is phony; they're fake. They they miscredited like the amount of franchises they had. They lied to their franchisees. Their story, like this person didn't die. They just hype up their story, and they mentioned they hype up their story. That's another thing. When you go on, be genuine. Don't make up some you know fabricated story to sound better, or don't make up who you want to be in you know a year, five years. Be you, show who you really are, and that's going to go a lot better because I think audiences can kind of s- smell that or sniff that out. And if you do a simple Google search, you can align facts because a lot of people just go off tangent and say things and you know fluff things up where you can simply do a Google search and kind of spot check that information and easily find that a lot of this is a little sketchy. So, Right, right. You know, and it's some people have these amazing stories where you're like, what? That all of that happened to you. All of that took place in your lifetime. Really? But the thing is, just like you said, you know, if before you publish the episode, you can always go out and you can va- validate it and verify everything yourself. Uh, going back to your the network situation, sure, there are different expectations within networks if you if you decide to join a network. Again, there's nothing there that makes you do that. You're, it's, it's a, you, you're free to choose. You can stay independent. You can join a network. A lot of times a network may be advantageous for certain things, especially for uh, other shows that are on the network that are similar to yours because they complement each other and you have a built-in audience for those shows. Uh, networking is, is a lot of fun. I've been on a couple of networks. I've been in a couple of networks over the last few years. Uh, but I have chosen as of late to, to, to fly solo. Uh, I don't even apply to networks anymore. Um, if things go as well as I hope they go with one big win, we might revisit that. Yeah, and I think you also have to know your value. So I know that I have probably a year's worth of content in queue. So, you know, if a network pitches me, oh, you know, I can get you guests easy. I don't need that at this point. You know, I can reach out favorably and do a decent enough pitch where I can get the guest I want on. Um, obviously, I haven't necessarily like had the time to go after, let's say, if you have a list of like your top 20 that you've always wanted to talk to. I'm sure some of them I can actually get, but I just haven't you know, implemented that yet. So a lot of guests come via different PR firms or publicists, or now the hot thing is, you know, podcast booking, you know, agencies in terms of pitching their guests. So I think... You know, I don't need help with that necessarily. I I think you have to know what your value is and what you're bringing to the table. So you can, it's important with everything, especially if you're going to join a network to negotiate that contract. So as long as you put something in writing and it's agreed upon, you can hold that network to those specific things that you agreed on versus, you know, the network can hold you to it too. But if it's never mentioned and then you think it's restrictive or something happened and you don't read the fine print, then that's kind of on you. And I think that's like, that's being a good business person and a good entrepreneur in general to read the fine print and really advocate and ask for what you want because nobody's going to do that for you. Just like if you go in 
if you're going in for a job interview and, and you're negotiating salary, you never agree to the salary that you're given. You basically, they give you a number, you give your ideal number, and then you work to something that's you know beneficial for both of you. But if you never ask, you'll never get that extra five, 10, 20, 30, whatever thousand dollars or anything, business deal, any kind of negotiation. So I think that's important as well. It's so funny. That is so true because I can still think back to the very first time I negotiated an employment contract. Uh, they hit me for a number and I was like, really? In my head, you know, I didn't say that out loud, but I didn't know how to negotiate either. But I was driving well over an hour in one direction just to get there. I said, well, could you maybe cover some gas? Can I get 500 more? They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. 500. Yeah, we'll do it right now. And off you go. How much money did I leave on the table, man? You know, how much did, oh, it still to this day frustrates me that I could have done even better back then. But it's a lesson learned and it carries over to this environment now. You know, it's, it is knowing your worth. And so many people still struggle with what is, you can call it imposter syndrome. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, he did a TEDx talk and he called it comparanoia but he put a little twist on it there with Comparanoia. And of course it was tremendous. It's been translated into over like a hundred countries. Uh, it's just, it's, it's an amazing concept, but so many people fight that Comparanoia slash imposter syndrome in this space. And a lot of it, it holds them back. It, and that's the only thing that's holding them back is that who am I to ask for this? Who am I to have this expectation? Who am I to ask that guest if they want to come on my show? Asking that question is literally just shooting yourself in the foot. You're not even making the taking the opportunity to reach out and take advantage of an opportunity that's most likely there. You know, with One Big Win, when I started setting up all the interviews for One Big Win, because I'm launching with a minimum of 15 episodes in one group on 11-1, and I reached out to about 27 different people. I had three no's. So what am I going to do now? I've got 24 interviews that are like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But hey, it's a good problem to have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And it's like leaving money on the table. I interviewed someone in a, in a previous role, you know, years and years ago at an agency. I ended up hiring the person, but, you know, the agency said, offer them this. They hired and then they figured it out and figured out they could have gotten like $25,000 more. And then they were at, mad at me. I mean, I'm not going to go. No one's going to do something on your behalf. You have to take that step. You have to ask without asking. You're, you're going to have that uncertainty. You, you'll never know what what could have happened. And mostly, you know, they may not give you the number you want or the terms that you want or the different things, but you can negotiate to a, a point where you're both happy with something. Right. And that, that's a good deal, quote unquote, right? Whenever you're buying a car, people tend to ask, you know, what's a good deal? How do I know if I got a good deal? And, you know, the thing is, I sold cars for about three and a half years in my late teens, early 20s. And a good deal to me back then was when I could sign the, the line on the deal and the customer could sign the line on the deal. I was happy with what I was going to make on commission and they were happy with the price they were paying for the car. Guess what? You're happy. I'm happy. That's a good deal. Yeah, they I agree. Less? Maybe, maybe they could have bought it for less, but they didn't want to. They wanted this price. They agreed to this price. That's that's what it's all about, man. That's what a free market's all about, you know? Yep, I agree. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? 
I think it was that comparanoia. I think it was that imposter syndrome. Uh, if I look back, especially when I started podcasting and, and even back in my martial arts days, you know, when I was taking karate, I always just, I held my, I didn't hold myself back. I prevented myself from advancing at a more rapid pace because I, I didn't have that self-confidence. I didn't have that, that inner fortitude that allowed me to take a stance of confidence or approach something uh, with a sense of subject matter expert. Uh, it was always, eh, somebody out there knows more than I do, so I probably ought to just you know, sit this one out. Uh, you end up sitting everything out if that's the approach that you take. And turning that around, having a belief in yourself, being able to stand up straight, you know, stick your chest out just a little bit. Don't get cocky, but, you know, broaden those shoulders a little bit, walk with your head held high and approach every situation with the confidence that you are able to provide. You're able to do it. All you have to do is make sure that in your head, that's what you're doing. And you step forward and take advantage of that situation. And that's the biggest lesson that I think I've learned in life, honestly. It's changed everything for me, and a lot of it has to do with the training that I had in martial arts and the confidence that came from martial arts. Uh, before, I was a very timid kid and a, even a timid teenager and, and young adult. Uh, but once I learned that I do bring something to the table, that I am capable of doing anything I really put my mind to, uh, that was very empowering. But again, it comes back to channeling that in every situation to say podcasting is the same as, as kicking and punching is, is ridiculous. But the concept behind the confidence is applicable across the board. And once I started applying those concepts of confidence, uh, things started opening up. So I would definitely say that's the lesson that I learned that's the most powerful to date. Yeah, I think everybody has a situation where you kind of don't think they're an expert or, or big enough or know enough. But I mean... I started in the career I did in terms of out of necessity and being self-taught and then seeing that if you have a passion for learning something and, you know, you, you take the adequate steps in terms of putting in the time and the work, you can become an expert and you're just as good as, you know, anyone else in the industry you're in. And I think a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of speakers that are good, you know, doing different conferences and stuff, but some are super general, you know what I mean? So like for me being in my career and being in rooms with, you know, chief marketing uh, officers and other executives at fortune companies and just in general, like there's a lot of people that fluff up and don't know what they're talking about and kind of got somewhere through somebody and never, you know, took that kind of in the trenches approach. So just because someone is somewhere, it doesn't mean they, they're, they're smarter than you or less smart. I mean, it, everybody has a direction in terms of what they take and everybody has to start somewhere. And then the other end of that is, you know, you portraying yourself as something that you're not currently. So, I mean, in, in podcasting, you know, you, you have to do something and go through kind of like the pain points to either make a course or, or talk about something because you've experienced it. And I see podcasters that have, let's say 10, 20 episodes have been in it for six months and, you know, come on my, you know, webinar or, or buy my course where it's like, all right, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I went through a lot more in that kind of gridiron than, you know, you have in six months, but you know, I'm not going to, you know, play them out or whatever. I mean, most people can see through that to a certain extent, but it's kind of like uh, hitting the, the low hanging fruit. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, it's preying on the ignorant. 
and I don't say ignorant as is, is, is translated into stupid. I say ignorant being uneducated. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking that low-hanging, uneducated fruit and taking advantage of it. But the thing is, man, those guys never last. They fly by the seat of their pants until they're finally exposed, and then they disappear. Uh, I've seen it happen in every, every industry. You've always got those that fly in and have all the answers, and then, well, where'd they go? Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you could leave with the audience, personal or professional? One piece of advice. Uh, always look inward. Always know the truth and live your truth. Be genuine. Be yourself. Don't try to hide it. You know, you may catch some flack for some of your individual qualities. You know what I always get yelled at for? Being too loud. I hear all the time, Larry, you're too loud. Larry, lower your voice. Larry, do Dude, that's just how I talk. I'm sorry. It just is. But I own it. You know, it used to embarrass me and I'd be ashamed because I was so loud. But man, it just it is what it is. Learn to take that and translate it to, you know, a strength. I remember I was doing some comedy at the improv here in Dallas and the mic cable fell out of the end of the mic. And I was too inexperienced to just pause the show for a second, reach down and plug it back in. So in a panic moment, I took my voice, which I knew was loud. I put the mic back on the stand and I said, I don't need a mic anyways. I'll just tell the jokes right here. And then eventually a sound engineer came up and plugged my mic back in. But I knew that I had a voice where I could control that room, even with just my voice without a microphone. I didn't handle it right, but I handled it's my point. And you can do the same thing. Take your gifts, use them, focus on them, embrace them and enjoy the ride. Yeah, I agree. Kind of uh, owning who you are, you know, what you have to offer and what you've been through, you know, the good and the bad. Yeah, 100 percent, because it's going to be both. There's definitely going to be times that suck. Honestly, that cable falling out of the microphone sucked. <laughs> I was like, really? Of all the people, this happens to me? You know, <laughs> it was terrible. But using my own qualities that I knew existed, I tried to pivot and make it a positive point. But sometimes even that's not going to work. You're still going to take your dings. You're still going to have to take a couple to the chin before you recover. Uh, but the thing is, is that you do recover. Know that it's not just you. Know you're not out there all by yourself trying to do this podcasting thing or this marketing thing or whatever it may be that is your thing. You're not the only one out there doing it. There are a ton of people out there and guess what they're doing? They're making the same mistakes you're making. The only difference is they pick themselves right back up and they get back on it. And that's what I hope everyone out there listening to this can take from this conversation. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? You can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook as Larry Roberts. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.